Hey family, welcome back. Before we get started, I want to thank our friends at the Center for Self-Improvement, Holistic Wellness and Transformation. Let's hear what they have to offer. The Center for Self-Improvement, Holistic Wellness and Transformation is your one-stop shop to Wellville. Here at the Center, we believe in treating the whole person. This is why our goal is to help each of our clients to obtain optimal health and wellness through mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional alignment. For more information about the services that we provide, visit us at thecenterforselfimprovement.com or give us a call at 630-748-4849. The Center, where we believe in treating the whole you. So here's my confession. We don't listen to black men enough. One of the most common misconceptions is that the role of the black man is to provide and protect only. While serving as a provider and protector is indeed a major responsibility of the black man, we must also remember that he, like his woman, is sensitive, endures trauma, and needs a listening ear as well. I had a chance to catch up with a good friend who I went to high school with. Charles Carpenter III is a husband, father, mentor to young black men, and educator. Charles and I talked about a number of issues that impact the modern black family, and I think these conversations are so important to have. Confessions of Amelia the Queen and Melanie Queen Productions aims to not only lend a voice to our women, we desire to create a space for our black men to express themselves as well. I believe that the black man has been silenced enough, and it's time to open up the lines of communication. I want to thank Charles for taking time out of his busy schedule to chat with me. Let's keep these conversations going. Salute to the Kings. Let's listen. Hey, Charles, how are you? Hey, Lauren, what's going on? How are you doing? It has been a long time. Yes, yes, like 18, 18 years. 18, 18 years. years. Yes, wow. there's been a lot. Yes, there's been a lot going on 18 years. And I just want to say to you, before we start getting to everything, I want to say to you, congratulations on everything that you're doing. I've been following you. Since we've been friends on Facebook, I think it's an, an amazing thing that you're doing as far as not only black women, but also black men as well. So I want to congratulate you. And I always knew you was going to be a doctor. I told you in high school, Lauren, you're going to be a doctor. So you know, I've seen when you, <laughs> when you, when you friended me on Facebook and I think Dr. Lauren, oh, okay, here we go. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. I'm so humbled by that because the truth is, if I really think back on high school years, I felt like that was a really weird space for me because there was so many, I was in between a, a, hmm, like a characteristic that I was still trying to figure out. So of course we all go through that. But right before I entered high school with you guys, I was at another school where I was a hellraiser because I was at a private Christian school. I was always in trouble. I was always being threatened to be put out some kind of way. And it was a struggle. So by the time I entered high school, I was around old friends again because I grew up in that community and I kind of I kind of mellowed out a little bit. So I don't I don't know if people saw the the 
activist part of me during those years because I was cool at that point. I'm like, okay, right. I'm around my people, folks look like me, people act like me. I, I had a good time in school. And it's not until after in my adult years that I start getting into this this space again. So I don't really know anybody's perspective of me during those years because it was such a strange thing. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so it's always good to hear that. I really appreciate that. I'm humble. Oh, yeah. You, you know, when, when I first met you in high school, you know, it was like, uh, and, you know, I came from another high school before I came to Hillcrest. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it was kind of different for me because the people I grew up with, they knew me, you know, I was comfortable around them. Then when I came to another school, I was like, how are these people going to be? I yeah. never grew up around this community, but... When I start, when you know, when I met you and start meeting other people, I started getting comfortable, you know. But I've always been in high school. I've always been a people. I've been a people person ever since I was growing up. So it kind of made it easier for me to make friends, you know, when I transferred schools <clears throat> and everything. Excuse me. So, but yeah, you know, oh, it's been so, a long time. Long, been a long it, time. it has yeah. been. It has been. I don't think I realized yeah. you transferred in. I thought you were there from the very beginning, from freshman year. I, I, I nah. I came from I came from Thornton first. Oh, okay. <laughs> I okay. Came from TTA test first. You know, mm -hmm. I came okay. from one great school to another great school and met great people. So, I'm. I, I, you know, it, I was very humble to meet. You know, the people. You know, we went to high school with because it kind of shaped me. Coming from, you know, what people say the the hood of Harvey, Illinois, mm -hmm. you know, the country club hills, you know, they consider country club hills you know, it's upper class. And ain't number of black people around here. It, it, wasn't. it really, it, it really wasn't no no bad transition, you know. Right. And but you know, yeah. it's interesting. It's interesting that you say that because I grew up in Country Club Hills. I actually wrote a blog about Country Club Hills. Now, my mother, who was on the show before, uh, moved from the South Side to Harvey in the, in the early 70s. And she shared how there was so much racial tension in Thornton. She attended Thornton. She, she left Harlan and she went to Thornton in the early 70s. And how there was so much racial tension because it would be it was becoming segregated during those years and the fights mm -hmm. the the and and black people sticking together standing up supporting one another when things went down you know and so having that experience leaving the south side from 95th and LaSalle I think to to Harvey was a huge transition for her now for me after they rate they brought me out to country club hills when I was a kid and I mean I'm talking like a toddler like real small like two or three years old and it's mm -hmm. not until I entered college after I left Hillcrest that I realized right. that I was from a black middle class community. I never thought anything else of it until you're around people who don't look like you, who comes from right. a completely different economic status than you. I never right. even thought about it. And it to me, that's what instilled the pride. It took me to get to yep. live in the community to understand where I was from. Yep, I agree with you. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Yes, it did. Yep. Yep. So that's amazing. How's everything? So how's everything been going on with you? What's new with you? So what what I'm doing right now, this is what I'm I'm excited about. So last year I started my brand Confession of a Melanated Queen. And then now in the last month or two, in the last two months, I've started a production company called Melanated Queen Productions. And one of the things that I'm really interested in is having conversations with black people about black issues. 
particularly family, you know, um, social issues, barriers, things that we can really learn and glean from one another so that we can grow. So when I wrote the book, I wrote it, I think a lot of people thought that it was a women empowerment book it, because of course it has, and, and it kind of was, it definitely, I was speaking to, I was speaking to sisters, but my concern overall was larger than that. I mean, yeah, you see the crown, you see the fro, and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's, it's this very stereotypical, you know, uh, feminist movement, and it is not because if you read it, you'll see I, I got some issues with that too. But I, my goal really is to is to improve the climate of our community through narratives. And so the book okay. really, the book really did that. And then I started the podcast because everybody kept saying you need to do a podcast. I did that, and now I'm working on a film, a documentary series about the topics that I discuss in the book. Now, one of the things that I talked about, uh, I have a chapter called. You know how you, you see those um those sayings um stay calm and do this stay calm do that the whole stay calm thing yeah so I have yeah. a chapter called yeah. I, I have a chapter called I can't stay calm I have a black son and okay okay I'm super passionate about black boys right now I don't have none against sisters I know I'm the melanated queen and all that but I I am concerned about black men because for the exactly. first time I saw a child. My child, when he was like two or three years old, I saw the innocence of him. Like he's still innocent. He didn't know what was happening around him. But I, I, could, I saw how a child can go from being innocent to, um, to troubled, not only troubled, but tarnished because of the, 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 the constant attack against black men. And so when, when, I, when I came across you and you were very engaging online, and you were listening to the podcast, you and I started talking about stuff. You know, I really want to kind of get you on and talk to you because you're out here, okay. you're a black man in America. You know, you are a father, you are yes, a husband, yes. you know, you are a community member. And I really wanted to take this opportunity to learn from you about a black, black men in general. You know, what's happening in, what's the state of affairs of, of, of fatherhood right now? What's the state of affairs of being a grandfather right now? What's the state of affairs of just being out here in the community, things that you see day to day that a lot of us are either turning our eye to, a blind eye to, or some people just don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like the attention is not there though. So I just want to start off by just kind of getting a, just, just getting a, in, in your words, what, what is fatherhood like right now? Fatherhood is good right now. It's, it's good. It wasn't, it wasn't great, you know, a while ago. Um, well, I have a biological son. Um, I went through some things back in 2009. My son, uh, was burned in the care of his mother. So that was a real rough time for me because it was a lot of stuff going on, you know. But the love I know that Allah has for me, you know, it, it kept me strong and it kept me focused on what's going to come better, not what's going to come worse. Mm-hmm. So that was a downtime for me as a father. But through Allah, my God, my, my son made it through everything. You know, he's 11 years old. He'll be 12 in May. So I thank, I thank God all the time, you know, that my son is still here, you know, and everything. But fatherhood has been good to me. You know, it, it, it's, it's matured me a lot. You know, it's, it, it, it has made me into... I want to say a better person than I used to be. Well, I never was a bad person, but 
you know, it made me a better person, you know, as far as, you know, when I was teaching um, at a alternative school and it kind of made me a better person towards that because when you, when you dealing with black males in an alternative school that has either has been are in the foster system or adopted, you know, they have different problems. So me being a father, a parent period, you know, a parent nurtures, as you know. So it kind of helped me nurture those kids that really, really needed it, you know. And along the way, I mean, it, fatherhood is great. I got a grandbaby. I got two, I ain't going to say stepkids. I'll say my kids. That's what I say. I don't say stepkids. I don't like right. that word. Right. Uh, you know, I have a beautiful wife now, you know, and good job. I'm doing stuff in the community. So fatherhood has, has really brought me a long way from where I used to be. I can say that, Lawrence. I can really so, say that. Now, I, I, I do have, I, I have a sensitive question to ask you because I know my husband and I have these conversations and, you know, oftentimes, I won't say he challenges me, he just, he just states that, you know, he feels <laughs> that the way that our, 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 our society is today that is set up in favor of women and, and a lot of people still have in their mind and they still believe wholeheartedly that we're in a more of a patriarchal society but really, you know, his argument is that, you know, women are winning, whether it's being losing, losing the custody of their children. A man could lose the custody of their child just because the woman is a, a woman. Like he, he, even though we have our, our family construct is fine. I mean, we're together. We have our son, but in, in, in concern with brothers out there who may not understand their rights, may not understand, you know, what they could do. He feels like a lot of brothers give up. Do you think that's true? Has, has that been your experience? Well, I want. Well, how can I answer that? I wouldn't say give up. I would say, well, okay. Let's 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 go to the women for a minute. You know, women have to get to this notion that y'all have to allow men to be fathers to these children. If he was good, if he was good when you met him, and he was good when you laid down with him, and he was good to have a child with, then if y'all are apart, it still should be the same way. A lot of women get to a point where, you know, they're they're hurt, they're scorned. You know, the man might have cheated on them, or whatever it may be, or you know, disagreements in the relationship. They get to the notion where they want to keep the kids away from the from from the father, especially if the father has another significant other. Women have to get away from that because if you want a black male to be the role model in your children's life, you can't hold that away from them because the kid grows up despising the father because the mother might, you know, you have some mothers out here where they are scoring the father's in front of the kid and that's not a good thing. So 
if you want structure in your kid's life, as far as a father figure, you have to find, even if you're, you're not together, you have to find a way to co-parent. I put it like that. That's the best word for um, As far as black men giving up in society, I think some have because, you know, just say like this generation. This generation of kids is hard to talk to, mm-hmm. you know, because they, you know, you have some kids, they, some of these kids out here live hard lives. And that's one thing we have to understand because we can't look at a kid and say, oh, he, he's just bad. He's, he's the worst. But you don't know what that kid is going through. That kid, mother can be on drugs, father can be in prison, ain't around. You know, the only person he can probably depend on is grandma, you know, or or, or, or uncle, you know. But that's who a kid should depend on. They should have their parents. So I don't think black I think black men has given up as far as reaching like reaching out to the to the to the youth. Or you have some fathers out here that you have, and, and actually, Lauren, truthfully, you have some fathers out here that really don't take care of their kids. Mm-hmm. And see, what black men need to understand that we are the foundation in the homes. If we're not right in the home, the home is not going to be right. And that's what black men need to get back into in order to regain society and our communities. We have to learn how to stand up for our black women, stand up for our kids, stand up for our community, you know, stand up for each other. First of all, really, you know, stop the black on black crime and killing each other. And, you know, you hating on this one man because he got more than you. So, you know, you want to rob him. You know, it's, it's that type of stuff that that's black that makes black men give up on society. Especially if you're a black man that wants to unite your people, it's kind of hard because, like I said, you can't talk to the to the new generation really, and get them to see and understand that everything before us, that Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Megan Evers, Sojourner Truth, uh, 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 Harriet Tubman, Marcus Garvey, who you can name all, what they went through before us in order for us to have equal rights in America anyway. And we still don't have equal rights in America to this day. So that's where the black man has to come up in society in order for us to regain our community, to regain our black families. And right now, it's in a state of emergency right now. You know, it's bad enough we got white cops out there killing our people, killing our black men. And then we're killing each other. We're just, we're doing nothing but extincting our own race. Well, you you said something that was interesting just a moment ago. You you talked about um, how we still don't really have all of our rights. There's so many people, and I want your, your thoughts on this, so many people 
still having their mind we made it we're free we're out we're good you know that's and, and, and that's and and there are some who may argue that nothing could be further from the truth and so you just touched on that i just i want to hear a little bit more about that because people people will argue that no we we got our rights we're good we, we 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 don't have if 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 black people would 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 read besides just looking at the page you know we're two thirds of we're two thirds of the of America, and we don't have no rights. We're, we're considered we're, we're still considered property through our social security numbers. So, for black people to say that that we good, we eat this and that, and this and that, yeah, we had Obama. We no, no, no. Y'all got to remember. I'm proud we had Obama too. Don't get me wrong. But Obama can't do the things that we need because it's not gonna it's not gonna happen anyway. People talk about reparations and this and that. Look, if we was gonna get reparations, we should have been had. Right. When they killed when they killed the Jews over there in the Holocaust, the Jews got reparations. Why? Because they were Jews. Blacks ain't gonna get reparations, and if we do, it's gonna it, it, it must be it's gonna be a shining star in heaven that, that helps us out. Black folks are we are not free. We're, we're still not free. I mean, look at our jail systems. The population of the jail system is ninety percent black. Wow. You know, and you know, I you know, and I work at a halfway house, and I look at you know the difference between the white guys that's in the halfway house and the black guys. It's 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 treated different, and then I live in I live in the most I live in the state where they abolished slavery. Well, the last state to abolish slavery, and that's Missouri. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, so really, really nothing has changed. Yeah, we, you know, we, we, we're free as far as you know, we're not in shackles or anything like that. But mentally, we, we're mentally enslaved. Enslaved. Mm-hmm. We're mentally enslaved. You know, so. For black folks to say we're free and we we this we that no we're not because we if if you pay attention to every day you pay attention to the the Mike Brown situation the Laquan McDonald situation in Chicago you know we're 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 not free our black men getting killed cold blooded and and the people and and the and the, and the, and the people that's that's doing it is 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 getting basically a slap on the wrist right you know so i mean i don't know more i mean i just i just want our black people to like really just start opening their eyes and paying attention to things mm-hmm. you know because is something is coming we don't know what it is but we're in the rapture of it right now we just we ain't in the full rapture we just getting a little teaser and a little peek at things, but the people that's not paying attention to it, 
when things happen, it's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be too late. So black folks, us as black folks, we need to unite right now. We need to stop killing each other. We need to start taking each other by the hand, lifting each other up. You know, start supporting each other. You know, start getting our own. That's one. That's one thing black folks need to work on is getting our own. Besides working for peanuts, because right. basically that's what you're doing if you're going to a nine to five job or whatever job you got, you're working for peanuts. So black folks need to start getting their own. Go back to the Marcus Garvey days and and Tulsa, Oklahoma days. You know mm-hmm. where. where Communities, black communities had their own business and they kept the black dollar in the community. That's right. I, I could not agree more. I could not agree more. And it's such a pride. And I think now, do you think that that because of what happened with Tulsa and some of these these communities, including Chicago and Florida, where mm-hmm. we had we had our black Wall Streets, do you think because oh, yeah. of what happened, you know, the devastation in that 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 has um condition us to to not really feel comfortable or have the confidence to go back to that because we we don't we just assume we're gonna lose it again yeah i mean yeah that 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 can be a shock uh, a shock theory to to uh trying to get our own because if you look at what happened in tulsa oklahoma they came and bombed a whole black neighborhood mm-hmm and a lot of black people don't know that, Lord. A lot of black people don't see. That's what I'm saying. A lot of black people don't read. Right. If we would learn how to research and read, we can learn a lot of things. Mm-hmm. They came and bombed a whole black town that was thriving in a black business, kept the black down in the black neighborhood. Yeah, and so. You know. There's talks that you know the Great Chicago Fire. You know we always hear the theory that it was Miss O'Leary's yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, cow that knocked over. But you know, <laughs> but but ancestors have spread down the word that you know now nah, they burned us out of there. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because a lot of people don't know around that time. After all that, Chicago was a a white and Italian city. Mm-hmm. You go back to the, what's his name? Uh, Al Capone. Al Capone ran Chicago. He was the mayor of Chicago. You know, so around that time, yeah, you know, they, they, that was they, and then after all that, then that's when they started building projects in Chicago. Right. So yeah, you know, and then if you look, and if you look, and I think another thing too, Lauren, as far as black, why I think black businesses, people don't start black businesses and why black businesses aren't supported like that. Because for one, a black business owner, they, 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 they get all the well, that's too high and, and why is this so much? But you'll go buy, you'll go to a, a white-owned business and buy the same thing the black-owned business had just because it was cheaper. That's why black businesses can't thrive because we don't support each other. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so what if that sister, that brother's stuff in their store is a little hot? Okay, if you if, if they get more support, more production, maybe they can lower the prices. Right. You know? Absolutely. But black people, you know, they they, they always looking to, to to save a little change. Also, I'm going to go to the whites, though. They, they cheaper. But what about this black sister that's, or black brother that's trying to build their business and build they, they you know, production and stuff like that? What, what about them? Because if you don't support the black business, guess what? They got to shut their whole business down. Now they mm-hmm. right back to square one. So we have to learn how to support black businesses and we need to learn how to get our own. We have mm-hmm. to. Because that's the only way we're gonna we're gonna really survive. We 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 give all our money, you know. And, and the one thing I want to bring up too about the whole, you know, I think you heard about it on the whole Gucci situation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, like I tell black people and people I talk to, we are the largest consumers. Yes, we are in America. <laughs> We are the largest consumers. Yes, we are. Yep. But yet, we allow these products, just like with the whole Gucci thing with the blackface, we allow this this type of stuff to. What's the word I'm looking for? We allow this type of stuff to happen, and don't and, and don't stand, and don't stand up to it. A lot of people, we're going to boycott Gucci. Yeah, some of you may boycott Gucci, but it ain't going to be enough to stop their production. They already put a limit on it. They already said it's going to be like a three-month boycott. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. But you, That's the plan. But you still, but you still got, you, I've seen two NBA players at the All-Star game still wear Gucci. Yeah, you so see So they're going to show you all, every, everybody's not going to wear, but see, those type of people probably never had to deal with the stuff an American black male deal with. I'll put it to you like that, as far mm-hmm. as racism. Because the two players that I've seen that had it on, they are, uh, uh, they came from another country. Okay. Well, they probably never had to, you know, encounter racism. Yeah, they were black in another country, but they probably were black in another country never had to witness racism like we do in America. Right. So that didn't bother them. They still go wear Gucci. Yeah. But as far as black men, black folks in America, if you if, if black folks in America was if we get our own business, you know, just like you know, you know, you got the Walmart in the in the in the and Costco's and all that. If black folks would start our own businesses like that and start taking our money to the black business, a lot of, I gotta tell a lot of black folks, a lot of black folks will see the crumble in in, in, in white business. Mm-hmm. I put it to you like that. Because we're their largest consumer. And if we take our money away from them, they won't fold. We will see a shift in white supremacy, period. Because it's, it's all centered on economics anyway. 
Exactly. Power. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I'll be trying to get my black folks to see. You know, everybody always want to say, oh, well, the, well the, the world is ran by the president. No. The world is not ran by the president. Right. The world is, if, if any black folks, black folks listen out here on podcast world, I'm just being real for a minute, Lawrence. So this is me now. You already okay. know me. Okay. <laughs> The Gutenbergs and, and, and all them other rich, rich billionaires, they run the world. Mm-hmm. They call the shots. That's why I say black folks read. Skulls and bones. Read about that. That's you know? right. So forget the president all that. He don't he don't he don't run it. The billion them big billionaires run it. Rockefeller and all them. They run the them families run the America, run the world. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say black folks need to get our own, support our own. That's it, that's all. <laughs> I, I appreciate that feedback because it's real. And that's and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, you know, it's it's something that I don't think that we are quite comfortable with because we are so used to being the consumer, but we, we have forgotten about the days of old when we did own and we came from nothing, you know, and we built our own communities, you know? And so I think that, that, that's something that we had to keep pushing, which is why these conversations are so important. Now you, you work with, with young men because you are, you do coaching. Yes. Yes, I do football coaching. Yes. Been doing it for, eh, this will be my, 11th year. Oh, wow. 11th year. Yes, yes. This will be my 11th year this coming up season, and I'm very, very excited about it. Uh, like I say, I've been, been doing it for 11 years. It's, it's been a blessing. It, it's been a humbling, very humbling experience to do it for this long. Um, I got I, I got bigger, big, bigger dreams, you know, as far as the coaching thing. But right now, my focus is on the youth right now. It's on the youth. So what, what is the mindset of a young man right now playing football? If, if, is he focused na- mainly on making it big? Or is there, is, are there conversations on, off the field, you know, during mentoring sessions about other things that young black men could be doing? Just let me know in general. What, what is that like? For a young black man now playing well, football? Well, well, yeah, you got some young black men that I've got coached. I want to make it to the league. I want to make it to the league, but I always, I always push the issue on education first. Mm-hmm. Because if you go out there, you blow a knee, you have too many concussions, uh, or you you get to the league and you know you play so many years and you retire. What do you have to fall back on? All right. You don't have if you don't have a college degree. You you you're really out there. Just you you're basically going to be an NFL player working at McDonald's or Home Depot or, or some hourly job. You know. So what I do with my players, what I've been doing for some years now, when we start camp, we talk about those things. You know, you know what they want to do. You know, what are they interested in? You know. Uh, even, you know, me and the coaches take steps to, you know, show them how to do it, show them how to get there, what they need, what's the criteria, 
you know, so when they go up a level into their schooling, so when they go to college, they already know what they want to do. They already know what classes they have to take, what steps, learning how to make connections. That's another main thing I try to teach them. When you get to a certain level, when you want to do something, try always be sociable, make connections, because you never know in those conversations who you might meet and who can help you get to where you want to go. And I always stress them, don't never be afraid to ask for help because great people just didn't do it by themselves. You know, they asked for help. They, they, you know, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Oprah, you know, just didn't start her company on her own. She made connections. She talked to people, you know, and those connections and talking to people got her to where she is today, owning her own channel and, and having, you know, just, just everything, you know. So I always stress to my players, don't never be afraid to ask for help in your journey, you know. And uh, to answer your other part of, uh, of your question, uh, coaching has been good. It, it's, it's allowed me to be it, – it, it has allowed me to really touch a lot of uh, young boys' lives because – a lot of these young boys that I coach, Lauren, they don't have father figures. So with them doing the sport that they love and being around me all the time, I kind of fell into that father figure role for them. You know, mm-hmm. I can say, like, I have a lot of sons, you know, like from, from, from where we from down here to St. Louis where I'm at now, I have a lot of sons. And I have a lot of them that still keep in contact with me to say thank you coach you know for never giving up on me for always staying on my butt you know pushing me to be the best I can be and when you get that type of feedback from what you've been doing for so long it it drives you to do more you know it really drives you to do more and it's been it's been an amazing experience as far as the boys in their state as Mm -hmm. far as like football like I say, education first, because that's the foundation right there. You can be the best football player, but you don't want to be the best dumb football player. Right, right, right. You know, so, you know, not only learning the game, but, you know, getting your studies done, mm-hmm. getting them good grades to where you won't have to worry about your parents spending money to send you to college because you'll have a full ride. And that's what I preach to them about, you know. And, you know, a lot, I tell a lot of the boys, you know, and I'll be honest with them, a lot of y'all ain't going to make it to the NFL. So if you're not out here working hard, busting your butt at there, practice, getting the practice on time, doing what I need you to do, laziness is not going to get you there. Hard work is going to get you there. I tell them that whether if you – Ain't in the NFL, whether you, whatever job you work in. If you're not a hard worker on the field, even if you don't make it to the NFL, you're not going to be a hard worker whatever job you have because you never have that. So I, I, I kind of try to instill that that work hard ethic in, in, in it, all the boys I coach. Mm-hmm. 
because I tell her working hard will get you far. Don't give up for what you're doing. And I also stress that it gets hard. I play football, so I understand. I tell them I understand. It's 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 it's, it's hard work. It's hard work. But if you focus on that hard work or what you're trying to get to or what you're trying to accomplish at this time, all the fruits of your labor you're gonna see. Them. So I got a question for you. Are the the kids you work with is this community based, like park district, or is this school based football? This is park district based. This so, is part district Okay. So now so knowing that that you're working on the outside of their homes and their schools, when you by the time they make it to you, practice, you know, whatever got whatever you guys do to get prepared for the season. Uh-huh. I obviously don't know nothing about football. But I know <laughs> one thing I do know is that they're they're coming from school and they're coming from home. By the time they get to you, do do you feel or have you seen over these last eleven years that this has been this has created a safe space for them? Outside of sometimes the barriers, the challenges, the different things that oh, you're yeah. with. Yes, 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 Lauren. Because where I'm at now in North St. Louis, mm-hmm. it's no different from Chicago. It's no different from Chicago. You know, don't get me wrong. St. Louis is a nice city. Don't get me wrong. You know, but they have they they have they shooting murder problems just like Chicago does. You know. And that's not even just those two cities. It's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So, yes, I, to answer your question, it is, a, it is a safe haven for them. It's a safe haven for them. You know, it might be something going on at home. Uh, you know, they can't, you know, talk to everybody about what they're talking to you about it because, you know, you're the person they see every day during the season, you know. So, they're more comfortable talking to you than talking to anybody, you know? So it, it, it's, it's challenging sometimes because some of the stuff that you hear, you know, it, it kind of gives you a heart wrench. like, ugh, you know, I wish he would have told me that, but I'm glad he told me that because now I can understand, you know, why he coming to practice mad or coming to practice late or, you know, if, we're practicing, he's not paying attention. It's something else going on in his head. So when I get those boys, when they come to practice like that, I pull them to the side before practice. Uh, we talk, you know, I ask them, you know, what's going on in your life? What's, you know, what's wrong? Nine times out of 10, they, they'll tell me that nine times out of 10, they won't tell me. They'll just say, okay, I'm okay, coach, just having a bad day. Okay, I'll leave it alone. Until they are comfortable enough to come and talk to me, but that's but those are those are really like new players. Like if I had players like I have like for two or three years, it's easy for them to come talk to me because I've been with them two or three years. Mm-hmm. It's more easier for the player I had for two or three years than the player that I'm just getting in because they don't know me like that. So it's it's kind of a it's, it's kind of a scale tip, Lauren. So. I don't know, but, you know, I don't stress it enough. If they tell me, they tell me. If they don't, they don't, but they always end up coming back and telling me anyway. So that it, it's, 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 it's a real helpful thing for them to, like I tell them, it's a real helpful thing for them to, you know, talk to somebody they're more comfortable with. It may not be me. It might be, you know, somebody from school. It might be 
you know, uh, uh, outside sibling or uh, uncle or aunt. You know, they don't always have to talk to me, but I always tell them to talk to somebody. You know, because I tell them you can't come on the field in emotion and don't listen because that's how you get hurt. Mm. So I always stress, I always stress my players talk to somebody. So therefore, you can get it out, feel better, come back to practice, ready to go. Well, it sounds like you're a listening ear for them. Well, what other ways do you build trust with kids? Oh, I mean, we, we, you know, we do little things with our kids. Like we might go to sports. Like this year we went to, uh, well, last year, not this year. Last year we went to uh, a water park. And, you know, we, we got all the kids, gathered them up, you know, and we went to a water park, had a, had a day with them, you know. Uh, then sometimes, like, if it's a practice day and we feel like they've been working hard, you know, We'll, we we won't have practice, and we'll just do like a a little touch football game with them, you know, kind of have fun with them. So it, I mean, I do a lot of different things, Warren. It, it whatever comes to my head to, you know, kind of like bring that unity, you know, mm-hmm. to make them feel comfortable. You know, it, wherever pops into my head, that's what I usually go off of. Yeah, well, that's one of the things that I, I'm always curious about because I, I work with youth as well. I work with older youth, though, and but I have worked with younger kids. And people, when kids are going through things and they they have challenges at home, you know, they have all types of barriers. You know, it's it's always important to respectfully earn their trust. You know, and so I'm yeah. I'm always looking for different ways too because you know, as adults, sometimes we forget that they're people. They're little people. They're young, exactly, they're, they're little people. Right, right. They did. I tell people these young kids deal with a lot. They deal with a lot. They it's not like when, you know, and that's what kind of makes me upset about the older generation because it's different from when they y'all grew up and me and you learn is different. Mm-hmm. You know, they go they 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 go through a lot. It, it's a lot of stuff out here in the in the in the universe that they're approached with on a daily basis, whether it be drugs, uh, joining a gang or uh, 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 sex wise, you know, they go, they experience more than we did because we had parents that actually got in our butt. I'll put it like that. Right. So it's kind of different from these kids because some of these parents now is, is, is young. They're young. They haven't they having babies at 18, maybe yeah. earlier than that, you know, but the generation is different. You know, yeah. you got, you know, you, you, when you a parent, you, if you, if you a parent and your kid having a kid, then it kind of, it, it kind of throws it off. You know, it is, it, there's no structure really, especially as I go back, especially if there's no black male in the household. Mm-hmm. So ain't no, and then it ain't like back in the days where, you know, we had to tell our mama where we was at, where we was going. These kids don't do that. They just go. And it's like these parents don't, don't keep a close eye on their children. 
Yeah, back in the day, if you, know, you want to talk to somebody, you had to call the house, speak to the mother, and ask if you could speak to Charles. You know, would like you tell, now, would you say it again? <laughs> now they now <laughs> everybody got cell phones now, so they have direct contact with the person. But before your mother or father, whoever you were raised with, they knew who you were communicating with because you, if you wanted, exactly. to, you wanted to talk that's the to same them, thing. That's the same thing my wife said. My wife said the same, telling me the same thing, and that's true. Mm-hmm. You had to do all that. You just couldn't. Leave the house. Nah, you could. Your parents are going, okay, where are you at? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, yeah. it, it, it's not like that. Like you said, with the, with the, with the cell phones, it's direct contact. So, yeah. And we didn't have cell phones gonna... back then. So your mama knew what was going on. Exactly. Exactly. She knew where you was at. She know, she told you what time to get your button. Well, Get your butt home before the before that that street light beat you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So <laughs> that's right. You know, but I don't know. I, I mean, like I say, the, the this like I say, this generation. I'm, I'm gonna say this, Lauren, while, while you got me. This generation is the most talented, smartest generation that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Am I 36? Going to be 37 years of living. This generation is the is the most brightest, but you have these influences. You know, these influences are are are, are destroying them. You know, yeah. and I feel like as parents, we need to be more intuitive about our kids, who they hang with. Who they talk to? What are they doing? You know, when they're not around in the house. You know, and I think that's one thing black parents need to get back to. You know, and I think, and another thing, Lauren, I think what makes the the, the kids of this generation the way they are, because you have these what I call these punk parents. Y'all want to be friends with these kids. You're not supposed to be friends with your kids. Mm-mm. My mama wasn't my friends. What about yours? Yeah, I know my mother told me she just, her her exact words were, <laughs> "You have all of your adult life for me to be your friend, but right now I'm just your mother. I'm not your friend." You know, exactly. I mean, it. She always said that. She said, "Until you become an adult and you can take care of yourself," I, she said, I, "I'll be your friend then." But I'm not your exactly. friend right now. I'm my responsibility is to raise you. And I didn't understand why she was telling me that. And I'm like, I never actually be my mm-hmm. friend. <laughs> I, it never crossed my mind for you to be my friend. But there was a reason. Look, she was just she, look. She was just making sure you knew the the the, the ground that you that that you and her was on. You know, that's all. <laughs> exactly. She was. Like, yeah, and like I say, like these 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 parents, they you can't be friends with your kids. That's that's not going to work because when you try to be friends with your kids, what I've seen, they 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 manipulate their parents and 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 they that's how that's how they get into stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to reward them when they're doing bad. I've seen a lot of that. When I was getting in trouble in school, it wasn't no rewarding. It was a butt whooping. That was the reward. That's right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You know, you know, and, and it's like, you know, and, and, and the, the child abuse thing has really shook a lot of black parents too. 
that's what I think. Yeah, it 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 has shook a lot of. And then you have these kids now. If you if you hit them, oh, I call child abuse. I call. Yeah. That go to that go to stronghold right there. So now you scared to whoop your kids when they out of line. But if I think if black folks get back to that, like I use, like I got my butt whooped when I was growing up, and my mama didn't care about uh, 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 child abuse hotline. They used to encourage you to call them. Go ahead and call them. Exactly. <laughs> so, if, the, if I think if black parents, I'm not saying black parents out there, not saying beat your child, right? But discipline. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Discipline them. Let them know that you are serious about what you say. You know, because if 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 you don't show them that you're serious about what you're saying, especially. If it's something really important that's gonna save their life, right? You 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 understand? Cause see, and 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 see when you don't when you when they don't listen, that's when they start getting into whole other avenues of the world. Mm-hmm. That's where the drugs, sex, and and joining gangs and and doing you know outrageous stuff comes in right. because you're not letting your child understand that. You're serious if you tell your child, hey, you need to be in the house before dark, or you need to call me and let me know where you're at, what time you think you're going to be home. Besides letting your child just be out there. A kid, I seen kids, Lauren, be walking home at, I seen a kid one morning, Lauren, walking home at one in the morning. Little kid, where are you going? Right. Yeah, you do. You do Where see that. Where is mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? See, when 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 kids do stuff like that, and you already know, we we got black kids disappearing already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, when you allow your child to do stuff like that, that kind of stuff happens. Either they can be at the wrong place the wrong time, somebody get to shoot, or. Mm-hmm they get kidnapped or you know somebody you might have a sicko out there go out there and you they, they get sexually assaulted you know it, it's all types of evils in the world that parents turn a blind eye to not saying all parents but some parents turn a blind eye to certain stuff you know mm-hmm. that and that that goes with like for look for girls I I I I I I stress that so much as far as parents, as far as young women, because you have so many sickos out here, you know. And like I said, you got girls disappearing. Y'all have to keep a better eye on your on your kids, black people, mm-hmm. because there's so many evils in the world, and it's and it's targeting us. It's yes. targeting us, black people. It is. You got twenty some thousand girls out here missing, and don't nobody know where they're at. We know what's going on, but they're not gonna tell you. So, black folks, do your research. And so, earlier when we were talking, um, and this will be my last question, I promise, because I could talk to you all day, of course. <laughs> um, I know, right? So, you you were talking about on on the lines of what you were just speaking on. You were talking about black men protecting them and being there and providing. 
you're also a husband. So what are your yeah. thoughts on the state of affairs of black marriage? Is it still popping or is it something that people have given up on? You and I are both married, but you know, right, right, it, it, right. is it something that you think that, you know, people are going to continue to do or are we falling well, apart? Well, you know what? I, well, well, you know what, Lauren? I, I, I'm, I'm starting to see more black men step up and marry black women. Mm. I'm really paying attention to that. You know, whether it be, you know, social media or you know, knowing people personally. You know, it's getting to it's, it's get it's getting there. It's, it's getting good. I'm proud of my black men for stepping up and and protecting the black woman and being with the black woman and, and, and being that foundation that's going to take us higher. But we still got some work to do, brothers. Yeah. Still got some work to do. We still got some work to do out here. You know, I'm not bashing the brothers or anything, but they know. They know. I don't have to say anything. They know. We got to we, we gotta step it up more. I'm a husband, fellas. And this is my second time being married. And what I've learned from my second marriage is when you got that strong black woman and that strong foundation with you, stick to it. Stick to it because that's going to be the one, whatever you're trying to do in life, that's going to be the one that's going to be your ride or die all the way through. You know what I'm saying? My wife tells me every day, oh, husband, we get into the NFL. Every day. She reminds me, it's not a day, Lauren, that she don't tell me that. And when she tells me that, that makes me more focused on what I'm doing. You know, so black men out there, if you got you a strong black woman, that's your ride or die, you know she there for you, stop all the game playing, man. It ain't worth it. You know, it ain't worth it. You know, you, 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 that's your foundation right there, especially if you really love that woman. But see, fellas, there's a difference between love and unconditional love because you can love somebody and still leave. Mm -hmm. But that unconditional love, no matter what you and that woman go through, because I got unconditional love for my wife, and I can tell y'all be truthful, the Lord know how I am. Me and, me and my wife been through ups and downs and battles. You feel me? Right. But that unconditional love I have for her, and but that unconditional love that she showed me first brought that unconditional love back to her. It don't matter. I could be mad at my wife. Well, I ain't gonna lie, y'all. I don't be mad at my wife long. I'll probably be mad for about two hours. <laughs> you know? I'll, I'll be mad at her for about two hours. Like, dang, dang. Right. It's difficult. You want to get back to talking. You want to get back to talking, like, man. I'm I'm mad right now, but I really want to tell her something. You know, right, <laughs> right. Trust me, you I go through. It. You know, but having that unconditional love for your for your black woman, and she give you that unconditional love back. That's the best thing ever. The best thing ever, black man. And just just if you like, I say if you gotta keep. Her. You know what I'm saying? All that playing around and y'all want to have two or three different women. Now, that's cool if you're single. You know what I'm saying? You can do what you want to do. But if you've been with a woman more than six months, a year, or two years, man, it's, it's death. That's it. That's it. Go ahead, marry, put that ring on the fingers. 
and 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 ride life together through eternity. Mm-hmm. Because, like I say, once you find that ride or die, and that support system, ain't nothing you can't do in life. And don't let nobody tell you, especially them them bitter single people out there. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> don't no, don't don't listen to them. Especially if you got a friend that's bitter and single, and you got somebody you love, but they always throwing salt at your at your relationship. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to that. You know what I'm saying? Because you can, you have some people that listen to that from their friend and end up losing something good. Mm-hmm. Seen it before. Oh yeah, absolutely. Seen, I it, seen, seen it before. You know, and like I say, black men. Keep doing y'all thing. I'm paying attention out there. There's a lot of a lot of black men out there stepping up, you know, marrying marrying our black queens. You know what I'm saying? Taking care of home, you know. And shout out to the black men out there that single parents too. I want to say that too, Lord, because I know a lot of them out there. Mhm. Yeah. Shout out to y'all. Shout out to y'all. That's 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 raising y'all kids on y'all own. You know whether you know your significant other locked up or you know, going to another life or whatever it may be. The reason why the mom ain't around. Shout out to y'all. Shout out to my single women out there too, out there doing their thing. I can't forget y'all out there. Keep doing y'all thing. I ain't just about the men, I'm about the women too. I love my black women. Do y'all keep doing y'all thing. Y'all out here killing the world. Y'all out here killing the world. Shoot. I'll be... One thing bring me a mind is the black and all them black uh uh women that just been judges down there in Texas. And yep. it was like twelve of them. Mm-hmm. You know? That's that's big. Yes. That's very, very big. You know, so shout out to the black women out there doing their thing though. And that's the thing that we do have to make ourselves available in different spaces like that. You know, we all, everybody's shooting for different things, but we need to be in these courthouses. We need to be we 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 need to have on the judge robe. We definitely, I absolutely have to um, get back into these law schools. One of the guests that um, will appear on the show week before yours is going to air. She's a young attorney, bad sister mm-hmm. doing her thing. So we have to spread mm-hmm. ourselves out in these different spaces. You know, we need yeah. to be represented everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Because yeah, you know when I look at down, you know down here in St. Louis. They have a, now they have a black. I think she's the one, a state's attorney. I think she's the state's attorney. And then they just voted a black uh, state's uh, uh, some kind of attorney. He is Lauren. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I listen, but I don't listen to some of that stuff. You know, <laughs> I ain't a po- political guy anyway. No, but saying. yeah, you know, the man, the black man, the black woman has just got in, into a, a big office down here. That's big. Because the guy that was, I think he was the, the general attorney, the state's attorney, wherever he was, was a white guy. And that was the white guy that got got Darren Wilson off from the uh, Michael Brown. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So now the black man that's down here running things now, he's going to reopen that whole case. So... Having stuff like that is big because we need more voices in these offices. Because if we don't get more voices in these offices and start, another thing, black people, we got to start voting too. 
we gotta start voting. Cause we need that type of that type of power in these offices because if we don't, we're gonna keep getting these career politicians that's gonna keep railroading us, keep railroading us. Well, the thing is, we always go from zero to 100, so we don't pay attention to the local elections like we should, which is what has a great influence. Yeah, because what happens is everybody want to worry about what's going on in the White House every four years, but we're not paying attention to who's the mayor of our cities or these small villages and who, who, who are we voting in or not voting in as aldermen. You know, those, those mm-hmm. local public servants, like they, we're not really paying attention to that as much, though. So that's you absolutely right. right about that, yeah. Exercising yeah, the power vote on a local level. Mm-hmm. Exactly on a local level, because that's what the fa- that's what the, the foundation is in order to get stuff changed going to the White House. Mm-hmm. You know, that that that's the whole stepping stone right there. Yep, I agree. Yeah, definitely. I will. I I will tell you this: having this conversation with you has definitely given me the energy I need. You know, because I think that that's okay. what it is. We have to have these conversations. We do. We yes. do. Because otherwise, you know, we are very much influenced by the programming that we're part of. We could deny it. But the truth is we are being programmed by social media. We are being programmed by, you know, television, you know, all this mm-hmm. content that's flowing freely. And it's, it's mm-hmm. rare that we get a chance to sit down and we really get a chance to talk about things that impact us. So. I, I definitely am so excited to have you and have this conversation. <laughs> I enjoyed myself too, Lauren, and I, I just want to thank you for, you know, allowing me on your podcast to, you know, talk about these type of issues to yeah. hopefully bring some some light to, to our people and to, you know, kind of steer their thinking a little bit and, and, and you know, just let's be great. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let's just be great as we already are but let's let's be greater i should say that let's be greater so we got to talk about the next time you're in the chicago area because i need to get you on this film we're working on okay okay yeah. that's fine well, that, well just just let me know so i can you know plan ahead of time or whatever you know get some time get the time off from work or whatever and We'll go ahead and do the thing. Yeah, I would definitely love to have you, though, because this was really some, some good information for me personally. I know that people are really going to be blessed by this because it's, it's, it's well needed. It's a well needed discussion. So, yes, very I, well needed. You've been working all night. You working with the kids, you got your family. I know your wife looking like, man, what's going on? Let me <laughs> let me let you go. But I do want to ask okay. you, is there anything you want to share with the people? Anything you want to say? I just wanna I just wanna tell my black people out there I love y'all. I don't know you. You don't know me. But I love y'all. Let's 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 wrap our arms around each other like our black folks did back in the civil rights movement. And and work towards something better. Let's stand up for something. Because if we don't stand for something, the old saying we don't stand for something, we fall for anything. Mm-hmm. And right now, our race is falling for anything right now. And we need to get back to the place where we're loving each other, we're supporting each other, we're taking care of each other. And, and, and we, 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 we just, we, 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 we got to be a movement, you know? It, 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 it's all of us in one body, you know? And if we can all move in one body, we can change the world, y'all. We already, we are, we already, Getting, our style is already getting thin. I'm gonna put it out there, you know. So we the flavor. They 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 trying to catch up. We the flavor, but we need to get to the point where 
we're united. And if we're not united, things are gonna be the way they are as long as as long as we're not united, things are gonna be the way they be. So I just wanna tell everybody I love y'all. Again, thank you, Lauren, for allowing me on your podcast to talk about these things. And like I say, whenever you get that thing together in Chicago, you already know how to contact me and we're gonna do it. Okay then. Now for people who want to get to know you, are you on social media? I know we I know you're on Facebook. Yeah. You wanna drop that? Uh yeah, I'm just on Facebook. I don't have an Instagram. Oh, I have an Instagram. I have an Instagram, but I don't really be on it a lot. But mm-hmm. uh if you wanna follow me, follow me through Facebook, uh Charles G. Carpenter the third. And uh yeah, just just follow me. Let me know, you know, that that you that you heard my cast or Whatever your opinions are, we'll talk about everything. So what's going to happen is that once we post this, I'll tag you on it. So people will be able to go ahead and click on your name and um, send you a friend request. Okay, cool, cool. That's what's up. Well, again, thank you so much. I want you to enjoy your weekend. This is a Friday afternoon and you took out some time to talk to me, Friday morning rather. So I'm going to let you go so you can be with your family. But we are going to keep in touch. Oh yeah, always, one always. Like I say, just let me know what you need from me. Whatever you have planned in the future, just let me know. You need me to attend anything? Just let me know. That's all you got to do. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear that. I really appreciate that. Well, family, this is another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll chat with you next week. Take care. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you are in the Chicagoland area, we would love to have you join us at the Melanated Queen Awards on Saturday, April 13th. Tickets are sold on eventbrite.com. If you enjoy the Confessions of a Melanated Queen podcast, please head over to iTunes and give us five stars and a review. I appreciate all of your love and support. I look forward to chatting with you next week.